Support for Rule Breaker Investing comes from TurboTax Live, new from TurboTax. Now you can get a personal review of your tax return with a CPA or EA right on your screen. That's right, talk live with a tax expert as often as you need for tax advice to help you file with confidence. Just a couple weeks away here, go to TurboTaxLive.com fool. And support for Rule Breaker Investing comes from Active Campaign. Now, if you have a growing business and you want to acquire why not more customers than you need Active Campaign. Their solution goes beyond marketing automation, getting the right type of message to the right person at the right time. That's right. For a free trial, go to activecampaign.com/fool. It's the Rule Breaker Investing Podcast with Motley Fool co-founder David Gardner. All right, and welcome back to Rule Breaker Investing, and what a delight it is that you've joined us the first week of April. March was a really fun month for this podcast. We went over a couple of interviews, um, completely different, contrasting people. You may remember Steven Pinker. I talked with him about his his book Enlightenment Now. But then I also got to speak with Les McEwen, the longtime business pattern recognizer about predictably successful businesses that we're all trying to be part of. And we also played the market cap game show with Matt Argusinger and closed it all out with last week's mailbag. Well, welcome, happy April. And this time, it's time to bring back my friends, Kara Chambers and Lee Burbage. Kara and Lee work on the Motley Fool's People team. And if you are, and why not, if you are a longtime listener of this podcast, you'll remember that I have Kara and Lee back in a couple of times a year to talk about something that matters a lot to us as business people and investors. And yep, it counts for both. And that is corporate culture. The experience that you have, that I have, on a daily basis, going to work for the organizations that we do, we hope for a great purpose and with great outcome and results. We love to talk about culture, again, not just as Motley Fool employees, but as investors. I look at the cultures of the companies that I'm thinking about investing in, because after all, if I'm going to hold 10 years or more, far more than buying a product, a service, a competitive framework, a CEO, I think I'm buying the culture of the organization that you and I are putting our money into. So, culture, culture, culture. Kara, Lee, welcome. Thank you so much Thank for having you. us. So, we talked about what we would want to do this time. And we kind of started going to uh, a keyword for the Motley Fool. And Kara, what word is that? Motley. That's right, Motley. And Motley is an important word for us because, of course, it was the ragtag garment worn by fools of yore. So, back in Elizabethan times, those crazy jesters in their clothing, that was motley. That's what they wore. Um, kind of patchwork quilt, quilted garments. Uh, but for us at The Motley Fool, I've always thought of motley as, well, let me think of it this way. Um, when you come to work for The Motley Fool, you are your own unique piece of stained glass. You have your own shape. You have your own hue. And when you join us, at our company, or when somebody joins your company, dear listeners, they're adding their piece of stained glass to the window. And so we've, for years now, we've set that off and made that one of our core values. Lee, could you just briefly describe Motley as a core value? What does it mean here at The Motley Fool? Sure. Well, um, maybe about 2010, I was asked to be part of a team uh, by your producer, uh, Rick Engdahl. Awesome. Thank you, Rick, uh, for a group of fools to get together and take a look at our existing core values at that time and, and just modernize them a little bit, revamp. And so we had a lot of meetings, as as you can imagine, a process like that might go. And we realized we just couldn't quite get there. We couldn't quite get our perfect list of core values that represented everybody here and what we were doing. And it dawned on us, and that's uh, to your point, David, that everyone is a little different. Everyone brings something to the table. And so we wanted something that could allow people to represent, hey, I'm bought into the company core values, but I also bring something of my own, and I want a way to express it. And Carrie, you and I were talking about this beforehand. There's a lot of talk these days about fit and looking for cultural fit. And I think that we've tried for that some, but there's something more than mm-hmm. just mere fit when you hire. 
Right. And and what we've talked about now is cultural contribution, is how do you add and bring yourself to our culture? Um, fitting in sounds homogenous, and it sounds like you're just going to be like everyone else. So what we realized, uh, in fact, the opposite of, of Motley is... Uh, conformity, right? And so what we're looking for is uh, fools to bring their whole selves to work. And, and so each person kind of brings something different, which is what you want. It'll create a better company. Awesome. And Carrie, you have, in particular, you've brought together our show this week because what we wanted to do is show off what Motley looks like, what it sounds like, how it works at our company, and how it might at your organization, whoever you are. And so, Carrie, you have hand-selected a, <laughs> uh, a Motley group of fools to talk about their Motleys this week. Yes, yeah, so we had some fun. So it can everybody is interpreted a little differently. Uh, for some of you, it's uh, things you say a lot, and and you kind of put that value behind your work. It's uh, it's something that you love to do. It's a unique way of looking at your job, how you contribute. So we tried to pick fools that you may not hear from all the time, uh, and listen to how they approach their work. Thank you very much. And Lee Motley, I mean, it is a core value here at the Motley Fools. So the idea of Motley is that you are bringing something of yourself. Do you just want to double underline it before we have Adrienne Perryman join us with yes, her, hello, with the first hello. Motley? But what, when somebody's saying, what's your Motley around Motley Fool headquarters, what, is that, what are they asking to, uh, of somebody else? Yeah, it tells you um, a little bit about them, a little bit something that you might not know already. We do try to make them sort of fun and different. So as you walk around the office, you'll typically see at each person's desk their name and their Motley displayed. And it could be a conversation starter to getting in and getting to know someone on a little bit of a deeper level. And so to make it really clear, and then let's begin, Motley is the core value that you bring to our company. Our company has five or six core values at the Motley Fool. One of them is Motley. And we ask you specifically, Adrian Perryman, uh, yes. welcome. Thank you very much. And we ask you, and, and the other fools we'll be talking to this hour, we ask you, what is your Motley? What is the value that you bring, that you show off, that you bring to the Motley Fool every day? Adrian, start. What is your Motley? My Motley is, we got this, yo. <laughs> we got this, yo. Yes. Adrian, what do you do at the Motley Fool? I wear a number of different hats here at The Fool, um, but I'm a member of the communications team, and I also work with our CEO, Tom Gardner, on operations and supporting him and helping him run the company. Excellent. How long have you been at The Fool? Uh, Ten years. Congratulations thank and you. thank you. Of course. Um, so, we got this. Yo. I mean, the first thing, Kara, that comes to <laughs> mind is the word yo, don't you think? Like, it could just <laughs> yes. be we got this. So, let's start with yo. Um, well, I think it's just a fun way of expressing a collaboration, which is also mm -hmm. another core value of ours. Um, and it's just a little flair at the end that sort of brings my own special fun sauce to the, <laughs> to the mix. <laughs> so the we got this part yes. um, sounds like somebody who as a can-do person. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. And, and also, um, I think an encourager of others. I think no matter what my job has been here, um, it's been what I started as an executive assistant and helping um, other people achieve their goals and supporting them in a fun, collaborative, can do way. Sometimes people, no matter if you're a fool or not, just really need encouragement. Like if you're facing a big, problem or challenge and um, I've always tried to be a partner to people in that way that like we you and I we got this yo so it's it gonna really, it's gonna it's gonna be fun we're gonna we're gonna solve it together it really does start with the word we and I probably should have started there but that's such an excellent point Adrian so um, do you have an example of where that that motley has helped you or helped oh somebody gosh. else I mean I know it's kind of how you roll on a day-to-day -day basis but um, it's I was thinking about this because I sort of anticipated this question um, and I, I did have a hard time thinking of a specific example, but what I what I did think about was whenever it's been thrown back to me, whenever I've been facing a hard challenge and somebody's looked at me and been been like, Adrian, we got this, yo. And it's it's just that um catchphrase. Yeah, yeah, or just that positive um you know, don't don't worry. It's going to be fine. This is a big this is a big you know a, a, a tall mountain in front of us. But I'm going to help you get this done, Adrian. So it's been um, it's sort of the, the having the tables turned on me in a little bit. I was like, okay, it does it does work. <laughs> and it's kind of great, Lee, because it does combine collaboration, which is a motley full core value, and optimism, which is also right. a motley full core value. So I think Adrian kind of exemplifies in her own chosen motley. The Motley Fool. Yeah, and I mean, we love that. We talk about our core values a lot, and um, never one without the other, right? They all they all work well together, um, as I, I think our team does and the yep. people that work here. Yep. We got this, yo. We got this. Thanks, Adrian. Thanks for having me. 
All right. Speaking of people who've been at The Motley Fool for a long time, I know our next guest very well, but Kara, who have you brought in next? We've brought in Lawrence Greenberg, our chief legal counsel, uh, to tell us about his Motley. Awesome. Lawrence, how long have you been at The Fool? Uh, Longer than I have. Almost. uh, About 21 years. Tremendous. And so since you and I have been around for a couple of decades here at The Motley Fool, you and I both remember that there was a time when we didn't have Motleys. I, I like to think, Lawrence, we were still Motley, but we didn't actually have Motley as a core value. So it wasn't until maybe eight, nine, ten years ago that you had to think about what your value would be that you bring to work. I think that's right. And actually, um, I had a lot of help in thinking about what I brought uh, from our copywriters. That's awesome because that's kind of their job, isn't it? In a way. <laughs> exactly. And your job was to tell them not to do whatever they thought that they could do because you're our chief counsel. But somehow it all came together and it worked. I hope so. But actually, I don't think that's right, that my job is to tell them not to do what they want to do. My job is to help them figure out how to do what they're doing right. I completely agree. And and that fits with the nature of my motley, which is Gordian. G-O-R-D-I-A-N. That's correct. I would just like to throw in that David Gardner recently won the spelling bee at the Motley Fool. (laughs) Thank you very much, Lee. That even might have been mentioned on this podcast Uh, once before. Of course it was. But we try to salt it in at least once every podcast. You're you're awesome, Lee. So the Gordian knot, which I I know is a phrase, but Lawrence, I don't actually know the origin of it. But regardless, I want to know the origin of it for you. So how did you settle on Gordian? Well, in this conversation with one of our copywriters, we were talking about what our respective motleys were and trying to figure out ways to phrase them in ways that were not hideously boring because surprisingly, a lot of people think that what lawyers do is not that interesting. <laughs> and what it really came down to is that you know, my job is to take complicated problems, make them so that people can understand, and then that we can solve them together, preferably successfully. And the Gordian knot in Greek legend was a hideously complicated knot that was brought to Alexander the Great with the prophecy that whoever could untie it would rule Asia. And Alexander, after struggling it for a while, pulled out his sword and chopped the knot in in half, which made it easier to unravel. I rarely get to use knives in my work, actually. (laughs) But uh, what I like to think that I do and what I try to do is, you know, arriving at problems typically when they are confusing, uh, cut through the confusion and allow us to make decisions. Because actually much of business decision making is not that complicated once you figure out what you're doing. As I would argue that much of investing is not super complicated once you figure out what you're looking at, what you understand, and are prepared to do it over a long term. And that is both so thoughtful and so true. And Lawrence, I almost want to apologize to you for earlier <laughs> putting you up as the guy who needs to tell other people no, because you've just done a much better job. And your Motley is what's enabled that of explaining exactly what you've done here for a couple of decades of the Motley Fool and done it so well. Lawrence, has that always been your Motley? And or do you imagine that always being your motley? Um, My original motley was judgment, because I thought that was what I was supposed to bring to the company. But I think this may always be my motley, because it it really fits with my role and my personality. I like to look at hard problems, and I like to try to make them easier, and I hope solve them. And there might even be some empire building going on here, too. Alexander (laughs) the Great, notwithstanding. Lawrence, thank you very much. Thank you. All right, great. Kara, who have you brought in next? Peter Varley, our colleague. And I invited you in, Peter, because your motley is about something that isn't about your job, but something that you bring to our culture in your own way. Yes. My, <clears throat> my uh, motley is meet and greet. And uh, technically, I'm hired here as a programmer for web development um, on the Markitech team, um, supporting our marketing efforts. Uh, but what I really enjoy at this company is all the wonderful people we have here, and also at Fullfest and so forth, getting to meet some of our members. So, Peter, yes, technically you are, I I hope, a programmer, because that is an important function that (laughs) we need done here. And we do send a lot of marketing here at The Motley Fool, and we want it to work. Um, 
so you are somebody who is uh, known throughout the company. Um, we're a company of 320. That's a lot, a lot larger than some of the companies uh, that our listeners have, and then a lot smaller than other companies that people work for. Peter, where did you come from before you came to The Motley Fool? I worked at a company called Wall Street On Demand that was doing um, sites for various financial um, institutions. Um, that was uh, in Boulder, Colorado. Mm-hmm. And before that, I sense you weren't born in this country. That's amazing you should mention that. <laughs> Does my accent give it away? Um, yes, I'm from Australia. But we've been here as of last week, I think, um, 23 years. Tremendous. Which is a long time, given the fact we only came for nine months. Peter, I was going to ask, I think you meet with every single employee uh, I've and certainly, our temps? I've certainly tried to get to know um, all the new employees. There are some employees who've been around for a long time who I've not actually had lunch with. But certainly, um, you know, anyone who's new, I try and get to, to know. Um, and I've been doing that for a few years now. So I know almost everyone in the company reasonably well. And is it, isn't that tremendous? And if I could expand your motley slightly, I've seen you in the cafe having mm. uh, lunch with new pools. Yes, think. I, ha- I had lunch with um, Jean today, and tomorrow it's John. And, and often, <laughs> oftentimes when I see you, you're not there with just that person, but it's even a bigger group. So right. your meet and greet is even beyond just you. Right. So them. the idea is, you know, when someone comes into a new company, it's obviously intimidating. And so if you can introduce that person to a bunch of other people, it eases the transition for them. And um, Almost always, there's some interesting stories that come out. And Peter, let me ask, um, since you you have this perspective that we lack, um, often I'm told that Americans are very friendly, or when we go abroad, people say, well, Americans are... But but that's the way that we think in America. We think Australians are. So the real question is, who's meeting and greeting best of all? Is it the Aussies, the Americans, or somebody else? Oh, I have no idea. I never thought about that. Um, I think Australians in general are pretty open... um, Interestingly, so Australia has uh, roughly one in four people in Australia were born outside the country, whereas for America it's roughly one in ten. Mm. Um, I think Australians in general are fairly open to new things and new people and new ideas. Peter Varley, thank you. I love your mommy. Okay, thank and, you. And, and that it, it's not only a descriptor but mm. actually an action term, that you make that happen and that you've personally greeted uh, all the many Motley Fool employees that we've hired in your how many years here at the Motley Fool? Uh, coming up to twelve. Tremendous. Quite a long that time. is yeah. that is our great good fortune. Well, well, Peter it, Varley at the Motley Fool. Thank you. Well, it's 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 you know I partly do it because it's fun too. I mean, it's benefit to me, but yeah, it is uh, benefit to them as well. Well, I already see our next guest in studio, but first, support for Rule Breaker Investing comes from TurboTax Live, new from TurboTax. Now you can get a personal review of your tax return with a CPA or EA right on your screen. Quickly connect to a tax expert via one-way video. I'm pretty sure that means you're able to see them. They're not seeing you as often as you need for answers and advice on your taxes. That sounds like a good idea to me. You can even have an expert review your return before you file and make any necessary changes. It's all backed with a 100% accuracy guarantee. So file with complete confidence. I should say file in just maybe a couple of weeks, maybe even less than that, with complete confidence. Connect with a TurboTax Live expert today at TurboTaxLive.com fool. All right. It is Motley Hour. It's a Motley Hour. And Lee Burbage, who have you brought in next? Well, I think we've been learning that uh, Motleys are fun and cause you to ask more questions and learn about that person. And I think our, our next guest, uh, his Motley squares uh, right, right in there. Mm. And so welcome, Eric Bleeker. Hey, good to be here. And Eric, what do you do at the Motley Fool? Well, it kind of ties in with uh, my Motley, which is uh, lead, lead Horses to Water, which is uh, essentially I work on uh, our marketing team and how we can kind of package up so much of our great investing IP and presented in a way that really catches the attention of our members. Thank you, Eric. Yeah, and the intellectual property, the IP that we try to bring, we always hope it's market beating. But not just that, Eric. I know from a marketing standpoint, what's important is that it be exciting or catch catch your eye. Yeah, you know, and I, I kind of got into this job it's a lot at the Motley Fool in kind of a crazy way, which was uh, we had kind of been doing marketing the same way for a long time. So at the time, we had a trend that a lot of people were interested in. You're well familiar with it, the Internet of Things. And the I said, Internet of Things, yes, indeed. Yeah, I, I found this city at the tip of Finland above the Arctic Circle that 
because Nokia had left, had kind of gone all in on making their city a living laboratory for the idea. So we said, why don't we just go up there? We'll do a trip and we'll use that because, you know, it's one thing to have great investment being returns, but people want to hear stories that they're interested in as well. So we kind of packaged up and it it just kind of turned into a new job. And, you know, I think I'm on like year four or five of that right now. Awesome. Eric, how long have you been at The Motley Fool? Nine years. Nine years. So it was, um, you were a horse eventually led to the marketing water in in this company, (laughs) but how did you actually start at The Fool? Well, I started uh, in our editorial side. So I was working on our technology. uh, And, you know, it was at a time when smartphone boom was just happening, so exciting time in the space. And that's kind of led me to uh, really kind of go deep in kind of following that trend through the years. All right, now let's talk about leading horses to water. Why mm-hmm. Why is that your motley? Explain. Well, I think, you know, it's you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. <laughs> so we could say over and over again, you know, we're very transparent in uh, your scorecard on Stock Advisor or Rule Breakers and be able to show that to people. But often, you know, it requires something more uh, to be able to get them to take action. Um, so that is just bringing out the excitement, being able to meet people on their terms. So maybe someone wants investments, but they specifically want it along the lines of they've been hearing a lot about artificial intelligence. And it's our job to package up all of, again, the great IP, the picks we have, the research, and be able to present that to someone on their terms. So that's really you know what my job is. Um- how far north were you in Finland? Uh, we, we made it across the Arctic Circle. I have plenty of pictures with reindeers. We went to an ice hotel that was fully controlled by uh, internet-connected devices, so it was pretty cool. I, I can remember hearing a story recently by your, uh, your boss, Jeremy, who said, I got a photo of Eric. I don't know where he is or what he's holding, but I know something good is happening. <laughs> Do you want to say what that is or was? Well, last week we were, uh, we were out in Silicon Valley, and we were checking out uh, kind of the emerging self-driving car space. So uh, he, he probably saw at one point I was holding the brains to the self-driving cars in my hands, huh. which was kind of a cool little picture uh, at NVIDIA's headquarters, which has been, of course, a great recommendation. Yes, it has been an awesome stock. And Eric, I'm trying to picture, because I didn't see that picture, what the brains of a self-driving car look like. I'm assuming it's a it's a microchip. It's really oh, hard yeah. to see? Or what is it? It's tiny until they put in their casing, and it's very large. Ah, okay, <laughs> awesome. So, Eric Bleeker, thank you for leading, I hope, as many foolish horses to water and making them drink and, and growing our company as you've been doing these last several years. Great. Thanks, David. All right. I see another longtime fool in the house. Now, Kara, it strikes me that you've brought in a lot of people who've been here for a long time. It just dawned on me. This might be my recruiting class. Uh, I spent I spent a good five or six years, my first couple career at the Fool recruiting. This might be my recruiting class. I, I, mean, I love fools it. I'm familiar with. Well, and uh, one thing I'd like to say very briefly, there's a great book that my brother has read, my brother Tom, who reads more than I do. But Tom read a book once called The Loyalty Effect by Fred Reichelt. And Fred, who's a Harvard yeah. Business School professor and has his own consulting firm. But basically, the point of the loyalty effect, most good business books can be summed up in about one sentence. So here's my shot. The more loyalty you can get from your employees, your customers, your partners and suppliers, your board members, your community, the more years you can add up of loyalty, usually the stronger, there's a great effect, the stronger an organization for profit or not for profit will be. So you're kind of showing off one of our strengths, I think. Kara, who's up next? Brandon Reagan. Uh, Brandon, we invited you in. I looked at your Motley and it talked about your philosophy in your work. Do you want to talk a little bit about what you do here? Sure. I'm the tech lead on the site operations team. So that's kind of, that's like the formal way of saying what I do. What I actually do is build and maintain the servers that power the fool.com website. And so, Brandon, what is your motley? My motley, I think, fits into what my title is. So it is Turtle Power, and it probably needs some explanation. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's why you're here. I mean, obviously, Lee, I know you grew up in the state of Maryland, and I think mm-hmm. you've been a Mar- Maryland Terrapin fan. Yes, yeah, I'm so. a graduate of the University of Maryland. There we go. So, so that's one interested. kind of a turtle. Yes. But <laughs> this is not the turtle you're talking about, Brandon. No, this is a mashup of the tortoise and the hare and... Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, just mostly to make it cool. Nice. (laughs) Uh, So with Tortoise and the Hare, as you know, the turtle wins the race. And um, I think that fits very well with an operations-type focused job because we are about making slow and steady progress. We're involved with the stability of the website. And uh, so it's important to kind of stay on that steady pace. And what would a hare's approach to 
web ops look like? Um, maybe the website going down and crashing and uh, not no stability to the site. Because not enough time has been spent to build the stability in? Right, yeah, and, and probably poor decisions along the way. So if you're trying to move too quickly and you cut corners, then you're making uh, sacrifices for the reliability of the website. Brandon, do you score yourself? I'm pretty sure we do. Do we have like a 99% our site's working kind of a metric? How do you think about that? Uh, yeah, we, we do track availability. We don't spend that much time on it because if we do have site issues, we're more concerned about getting on the spot and solving the problem. We're not concerned about who did it or why or you know trying to track that down. And do you remember when you first heard the story of the tortoise and the hare? Did, did this make a powerful impression on you as a youngster? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it was more the mutant teenage ninja turtle. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably where we should have gone instead. Have you seen the most recent Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie? Uh, I, I have, but that's because I have a four-year-old daughter, and she got, I don't even know how she got caught on it, but just watching <laughs> cartoons on TV. And I, I literally watched it probably, I don't know, 100 times in a matter of a month. Wow. That is, that is <laughs> yeah. fatherhood right there. I'm impressed. <laughs> Last question for you, Brandon. So the move into the cloud, I mean, that's something for us as stock pickers of The Motley Fool. We've had some great picks because we, not not me, but somebody like Tim Byers on my Motley Fool Rule Breakers team about eight, nine, ten years ago started saying, hey, there's this thing coming called the cloud, and that's important. <laughs> How clouded is The Motley Fool, and what is your view of the cloud from here going forward? Sure. We are still mostly on-prem, I mean, and this is because we have so much history behind us. When you run systems that are 20-plus years old, you, it makes it a lot more challenging to get into the oh, cloud space. That makes we, sense. We are trying, right now, one of our biggest projects, we are trying to make our uh, applications more portable so we could make the decision to move to the cloud if we wanted mm -hmm. to. Uh, but right now, we're just not positioned because we have so much legacy stuff right. behind. Right. For example, discussion boards with millions of posts that go back a that few decades. That is definitely one of them. <laughs> it's not that easy to just port that all over to the cloud as opposed to if we were a mere startup. Exactly. Right. All right. Good. Makes one, sense. One fun thing I know about Brandon, I believe, is that um, because he's working with our servers, he's often spending time in our full mobile driving around. It's just our uh, full-branded van. You can't miss it. You know it's from the Motley Fool, that's sure. <laughs> and I think it's known to break down frequently. <laughs> it did break on, down on the highway once for us. Yes. <laughs> what is the vehicle? It's the full mobile. Make but, and model? Uh, you got Ish. me. It's a white van. It's a minivan. Huge yeah. gesture on the side. <laughs> Much more likely to be seen somewhere around the Washington, D.C. area than Correct. the state of Washington, for example. Correct. All right, good. Brandon, thank you. Thank you. All right, I think we have three more special guests lined up to close out this special edition of Rule Breaker Investing, our company culture tips for you. I hope this is helpful. I sure am having a fun time with Lee and Kara. Thank you. Support for Rule Breaker Investing comes from Active Campaign. If you have a growing business and you want to close more sales, then you need Active Campaign. Their solution goes beyond marketing automation, getting the right type of message to the right person at the right time. So stop sending blast emails. With their smart tools, you can dynamically show different content in your messages depending on your contacts' info, interactions, social data, and interests. Identify, nurture, convert, and retain more customers with Active Campaign. That's right, I'll say it again. Identify, nurture, convert, and retain more customers with Active Campaign for a 14-day free trial. Go to activecampaign.com/fool. Also, for our full podcast listeners, they're offering the second month free with sign up, that's activecampaign.com slash fool. Kara, for our next guest, as she walked in, our part-time producer, our substitute <laughs> awesome producer this week, Ann Henry, said, people are going to figure out about our next guest that she probably should have her own podcast. No so way. We'll see about that. Kara, who do we have next? Cheryl Palting. Uh, your Motley is near and dear to my heart. Mm -hmm. as your role in our uh, people team. Uh, mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do and your Motley? Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me, by the way. Always so exciting to be on uh, the podcast. But my Motley is Fly You Fools. For you Lord of the Rings fans out there, yes, I totally stole that. But uh, it's a bit of a two-parter. The first part is the fly. I love being able to help any fool, new, tenured, um, succeed in the role in any way I can. Being on the people team, it's a big part of our job to make sure that we are 
allowing for fools to do their best work, most efficient work, and then also be their happiest. So any way I can do that, um, I will, whether it's outside of my team, on the recruiting team. So for all of you who are interested in working at the Molly Fool, give us a shout out. Let me know. I'll reach out and I'll um, tell you a little bit more about our company. I mean, it's our own stuff. We're allowed to plug it. So let me. I mean, I'm, I'm surrounded by awesome people team members here at the Molly Fool. Cheryl, you just said if I were interested in getting to know more about mm-hmm. the Molly Fool or maybe applying for work, how would I do that? Having heard you say that, yes, uh, head over to careers.fool.com. You can read about our openings. You can read about our our teams here at the Motley Fool, um, and just watch some videos and get to know us a little bit better. Awesome. Twitter, Instagram, we've got oh, Motley yes. Fool Culture. Of course. Yeah. Lee B, our head of people, an amazing fearless leader. Um, he mentioned Twitter and Facebook. We have all sorts of social media um, websites out there. So just give us a quick search online and I'm sure you'll find us. Now, Cheryl, are you a Lord mm-hmm. of the Rings fan? Huge fan. Yeah. I assume you read the books before you saw the movie. I did, and only because my family is also a big fan of Lord of the Rings. We're super into science fiction and just utopias, but not that Lord of the Rings is a utopia. I mean, people online will... There are many fan theories out there, but um, I think earlier I had mentioned there's a bit of a two-parter to my Yeah, you did the fly part. Yes, I did the fly. Well... So, Fly You Fools, I think, is that second part. In the books and in the movie, you can see Gandalf saying, Fly You Fools. And online, there's this huge debate on what that means. Um, Some people are saying that Fly You Fools was Gandalf. And this is a spoiler alert if you haven't read the books or watched the movie. (laughs) It's okay. It's Um, time. (laughs) It's time. It's been over 10 years, everyone. (laughs) If you haven't seen or read the books, that's not my fault. Um, Highly recommend it, though. Uh, so there's a huge debate that Fly You Fools was Gandalf telling the Fellowship that they should take the eagles to Mordor so that they don't have to walk oh, through the... Fe- I just thought it meant leave, like get out of here. Correct. So he he says, Fly You Fools. And so mm. some some viewers and some readers were saying that was Gandalf basically saying, take the eagles. The other... The other part of the argument is, no, he was just saying, leave, go, uh, where on this journey, do your best work. Um, and I think that part, that debate and that, that, um, that back and forth between two differing, or I should say multiple uh, views of what something means is really true to what we do here at The Motley Fool. I think when we are analyzing um, stocks or analyzing companies, just because we see the same information doesn't mean that we'll necessarily have the same opinion on something. And it's important to see both sides and understand that everyone's opinion is valid. It's just that motley of opinions allows us to make great business recommendations and decisions. And that is indeed the heart of Motley. And Cheryl, you understand that about as well as anybody here mm-hmm. in our company. How long have you been at The Fool? A little over four years. All right. Best so, four years ever. So you are a noob on this I am particular totally podcast. totally a noob. Which is, which is great. <laughs> but Cheryl, I think you, you recently got a little bit of acclaim for the, mm-hmm. um, well, a little bit of publicity and recognition for what you do for new employees mm-hmm. when they arrive at The Motley Fool. Without bragging too much, <laughs> what, is, what does a first day look like for a Motley Fool employee? Yeah, um, and I always like to say this, but it's a huge collaborative effort between an entire team of fools, including the hiring managers and the people who actually interviewed the new fool. I think that experience starts all the way from that first application. But when you're a new fool and you're hired and you've accepted, yay, your first day is a lot of, lot of fun. We think you should do all of that legal HR stuff even before you get here. So there's no paperwork to be signed that's done Mm. before your first day. Um, You meet a ton of fools. You start off the day with a tour from Lee B, our head of people who's been here 20 plus years, and he's telling you fun stories, which leads into making sure that your tech is all set up, making sure that you're familiar with the actual layout of the company. Sometimes we'll switch it up. We'll have you uh, listen into a people team Q&A. Sometimes you'll go right into lunch. It really depends on um, what we think is best for that day. But after everything, lunch is on the fool, you meet new people, you learn a little bit about foolishness, you get payroll set up. So everyone loves to get paid, right? Money is money is great. But um, at the end of the day, we want you to meet everyone. And that literally means meeting everyone by going around in a cart full of food and drinks, typically 
you know, beer. So you're the most popular person in the office that day. You're just pushing a free beer cart yeah. around, getting to know everyone at the company. Yes. And yes, you, the, for about an hour and a half, you're saying, hi, my name is blank. And then at the end, obviously, we we quiz you on all of the names uh, <laughs> that you've learned thus far. Right, of course. But, of course. Um, but that's how we want you to end your day. And you end early. We always start on a Friday. We want to make sure that your first day is as stressless as possible. Always start on a Friday. Always start on a Friday. Every time I hear this team, Lee and Kara and Cheryl, talk about what it's like to get started at the Motley Fool, I remember my own first day at the Fool, which lacked all of these things. And I'm pretty sure we should have started on a Friday. We'd probably be a better company today had we done so. But awesome. Thanks for joining us, Cheryl. Thank you for having me. Fly, you fool. All right. Well, speaking of relatively new fools, but fools of real consequence. Lee, who have you brought in next? Well, I was excited about this one because I think, uh, like Adrian, this is a motley that is sort of caught on and even other people are saying it. Mm. It's a catchphrase in the office. And so welcome to Laura Cavanaugh. Laura, maybe you could tell us a little about what you do here in your motley. Sure. So I head up the business intelligence team here at The Fool, and we get to partner with all of the teams across the company and help them make data-driven decisions using reporting, analysis, A-B testing, and modeling. And Laura... <laughs> What is your motley? My motley is data woe. <laughs> data woe. Yes, and the inflection is important because it's W-H-O-A, not to be confused with data woe, right. W-O-E, the sad kind. Awesome. When did you come? I've, I've, it definitely is a catchphrase here at the Motley Fool because I think the woe part is that an insight has, has occurred, right? T- talk us through that a little bit. Yeah, so it's really a moment when we find a game-changing insight in a data set that makes a really big impact on our member experience, our our prospective customer experience, and our business. Can you give an example of a data woe in the last year or so? (laughs) Sure. Um, So one that's in kind of progress right now is an experience we're testing called Foolish Wisdom to a portion of our members. So we're sharing kind of mindset and market commentary sort of content, and it's going well overall, but when we dug into the data, we found that it's going particularly well for new members, which is really exciting. So we're seeing signs that we're delivering value to our members, and they're sticking around with with us at a higher rate as a result. Now, it's probably an ongoing assumption among us four, and therefore I need to disabuse all the rest of us. We all think we know what A-B testing is because we do it every day, and Laura, you know it better than anybody at the company probably, but I'm going to assume not every Rule Breaker Investing listener knows what the phrase A-B testing is. Can you just briefly explain that and that how it leads to woes? <laughs> sure. So we run experiments called A-B tests across our site and our email experience where we develop something new and we serve it up to our portion of our members while the other portion gets kind of the control experience, the norm. So that way we're able to monitor the impact we're making on this brand new awesome thing that we built. And we don't just accept the results at high level. We get to dig in, ask questions of the data, see who it's working for, who it's not working for. And that leads us into a new round of testing, which is really fun. And is this something that you, was this your major in college? (laughs) Um, So my major was actually business administration and a double major in studio art. Um, So I'm a numbers person, but I also really like telling stories with the data that kind of compel us into a new direction. And I know that you've you've spoken at some conferences. Uh, I, I think I hooked you up with one, and I got a really nice thank you note from the conference organizer afterwards saying you were a star at the conference, and you, you had everybody saying you're motley at that conference, Laura. If I were interviewing the Laura Cavanaugh, who is 10 years old, and asks, asking, what do you want to be when you grow up, and what do you think your motley would be? Would you have been saying data woe? <laughs> um, I think I always wanted to be a scientist. I was always kind of curious, and I just randomly fell into this profession, and it's been a wonderful experience, especially here at The Fool. Thank you, Laura. All right, Kara, my question for you at this point is, did you save the best for last? Quite possibly. Quite possibly. <laughs> Who have you brought into the room? Um, our people team, fellow people team, are Jen Elliott. Uh, your motley is a metaphor for a skill that you have and I, that you we very much need on our team. Jen so. Elliott, first of all, what do you do with the Motley Fool, and then what is your motley? 
Uh, I do a few things at The Fool. Um, I work on our compensation program. I do a little bit of organizational development with Lee and Kara, and then I also warm the bench for Annie and Cheryl, who you got to meet, um, if they ever need any backup on recruiting. Awesome. What is your motley? My motley is Tupperware. All right. So, Lee Burridge, what's the first thing you think of when you hear the word Tupperware? Oh, leftovers. Leftovers. Yeah, delicious. Like, I'm going in there, I'm opening it up. It was so good last night. Even better today. (laughs) Kara, what is your association with Tupperware? (laughs) Cleaning out the fridge. Like, what is that? What's in there? (laughs) Missed the boat here. And and for mine, I'm in a different place, and I'm not even sure I'm right about this, but I I think of it as like clubs or parties where you're you're helping sell it to others. But I'm not, I think that was how Tupperware kind of started. But generally, what does Tupperware mean to you and to the Molly Fool? Tupperware for me uh, represents kind of my mantra of a place for everything and everything in its place. Um, Across the Fool, I work with a lot of visionaries, a lot of folks who have big ideas, and I kind of like to capture those big ideas and compartmentalize them, put them into an actionable plan, put some data behind them, um, get a plan in place so that we can take those thought bubbles and um, have some follow through and have an output at the end. So what does a really effectively organized Tupperware-like organization look like? Uh, depends on the scenario. I take a lot of notes. So every meeting I'm in, I'm kind of documenting it. I'll send follow-throughs to say, you know, here's what I've documented on my end. Here's what my to-do list is. Here's what I've got for, from you. Let me know if there's anything I missed. Um, it can be an annoying habit at times, but I'll be in a follow-up meeting and someone will say, you know, I think we covered this at one point, And I'll pull up my computer and I'll say, you know, on August 31st at about 2.30 p.m., we did note this, and here's what we decided at that time, and here's what we've done to date. Um, it's beneficial at times, sometimes maybe not. But That is um, very Tupperware of you. It is. I keep track of everything. Uh, it's a blessing and a curse. Um, speaking of keeping track of things, you don't look like the Jen Elliott that you looked like maybe six months ago. Why is that? Uh, I don't know. You tell me, David. <laughs> I think that you're pregnant. I am very pregnant. I am ready to go. So is there a Tupperware approach to pregnancy? I know that oh. there are certainly some mothers, probably some expectant mothers listening right now. How can I be more awesome as an expectant parent? Uh let go of the Tupperware. There is nothing that you can compartmentalize about children. I've got a 15-month-old at home right now, um, and I've had to let that part of my life go. Um, so I don't try to fit my child in any any Tupperware. She lives her own life, and I'm trying to keep up. But at work, it's a nice break from that. I find I'm able to control a little bit more than I can at home. Now, I know a lot of people listening uh, are being compensated by somebody. Sometimes it's themselves, because there's certainly some business owners listening, but a lot of us are taking a check from somebody else. Jen, we didn't pre-plan this, so I don't know if you have a good ready answer. I hope you do. But what is a tip or two you might give to a fellow compensation executive or somebody who might be disappointed by their own compensation? Yeah, um, I think having a really open and honest conversation that starts with you um, doing some research about your own market value. There's a lot of free resources online, um, and hopefully the company that you work for is, has bought into a few uh, paid salary surveys so that they can have great data at, the, at their disposal. Excuse mm. me, at their disposal. I know we do at the Fool because it's something that we take very seriously. It's it's never a light topic. These are people's livelihoods. Um, so having some data behind your request to kind of understand uh, what, how am I being compensated now? How am I being valued? Here's the research I've done. Um, and just having an open and honest conversation that hopefully doesn't start from a, a defensive point or a, an ultimatum, you know, I have this other offer, meet it or I walk, those generally don't go well. Um, so I think having an open and honest conversation, like what are you looking to achieve and, and uh, helping everyone understand the value that you're delivering, because sometimes your impression of what you're delivering is not the same as your manager. So it's a series of conversations that when you do it right, I think everyone wins. I think everyone has a better understanding of what you're contributing. and everyone wins in that scenario. So one of the biggest problems would be just not enough communication or not enough information. Absolutely. Not enough communication. It's a taboo topic. Um, I think sometimes people think when they talk about their comp, it it is seen negatively. You know, you're being greedy or you want more from the company or you're being treated unfairly. And like I said, these are people's life. I love talking to people about their comp. I want them to be as comfortable as possible. There's no judgments made about it. Let's talk about you and what you've got going on in your life. And is another recruiter reaching out to you on LinkedIn? Let's talk about it. You're probably an awesome person. That's why we want to keep you here. What can we do to have that, uh, you know, move forward in perpetuity? Let's let's keep this relationship going. So it's just a series of conversations, and the more we have, the better. I would just add that uh, I love your um, motley Tupperware. 
probably represents some of your work too. I mean, when I'm going into the fridge and grabbing those tacos from last night <laughs> that are so amazing, I'm excited about the tacos, but I'm probably underappreciating what a good job the Tupperware does to hold all that deliciousness together. So uh, I think that's oftentimes your role, right? You're, you're sort of behind the scenes making things perfect and people love their... Uh, cash-shaped tacos, um, but your Tupperware holds it all together. <laughs> and there is Tupperware made for tacos. There is Tupperware made for almost every food. Mm. I have Tupperware strictly for asparagus. Uh, may- mm. Maybe it's uh, too long for the podcast, but <laughs> quickly, there there was an incident, Tupperware incident in the office recently mm. with um, cupcake frosting that you were involved with. Lee. I think this has to come out. <laughs> That's not going to work. Uh, Cheryl, who you met, you may have been delighted by her. It's all a facade. Um, she likes to bake cupcakes frequently. Um, again, the facade that she's a friendly person. And she brought them in a few weeks ago, and the cupcake to icing ratio was so skewed. It was a huge disappointment. It sounds like too much icing? Too little icing. Too little a icing. A sliver. You could see the cupcake through icing. the icing. Okay, I see. Um, so being the honest person that I am, core value, um, I let her know I was displeased with her icing to cupcake ratio. I may have given her that feedback in front of a large group of people who then were not pleased with me. Um, but Cheryl and I have a great relationship, and I think it's only stronger now that I've shared that. But thank you, Lee. It's one well, of my greatest come, moments. They come in an amazing cupcake Tupperware container. Which there are three tiers, yeah. Oh and and the next time Cheryl did that, she bought in varying tiers of cupcakes. So each tier had a different amount of icing for those who like less or more. Wow. So And she is a pretty friendly person, even though Jen's trying to suggest yeah. otherwise. And that's a pretty good example. She brought in three different tiers <laughs> she of took cupcakes. She the feedback. Icing the cupcake <laughs> ratio cupcakes? Okay. And I was the one who yelled at Jen in the meeting. I was like, who would say that to Cheryl? Uh, and just poor Jen sitting right next to me. Well, without ending on a cupcake note, I want to go to a slightly more serious place, Jen, before we say goodbye to you. There's a lot of talk, certainly these days, about um, compensation when it comes to four men versus four women. I'm conscious we've got a couple of women around the table, a couple of men. And I know it's a topic out there in the world at large. How do you think about it here at The Motley Fool? And do we have any tips or insights for people listening? So everyone's got, uh, if you're breathing, if you have a pulse, you have some unconscious bias built into you. And so even day to day, as you're doing your absolute best work, it's so important to look back on the data with the help of someone like Laura, who's digging into our compensation data as we speak now. when you're doing your best work and you think you're rewarding the right people for the right behaviors, you can look back at your data over time and, and see some areas where you think the data is skewed. You know, I've got a man and a woman in the same role, one maybe making more than the other. And in your head, you're saying, well, it's because they have seven years of experience versus five, or it's because they switched from this team and we're, you know, pacing their comp up. Um, but it's always helpful for us to have a th- another set of eyes on it. So have a third party like Laura to come in and ask those questions, because while we all think we know the story and we understand why, um, our goal is that obviously to always pay equitably for the value our fools are delivering and having a third party come in and kind of circle with a red pen and say, what about this area here? So that we can, if there's an error, we can correct it. We're always constantly looking at our data mm. to make sure that we are valuing the same roles, regardless, male, female, um, if they're introverts or extroverts, there's a, there's a whole spectrum of ways that we can view people differently. But are they delivering value? And that's all we want to reward at The Fool. I can imagine Laura has produced or will be some more data woes about compensation here at The Molly Fool. Jen, thanks a lot. Now, I, I, I'm conscious. Uh, this is something that I'm not unconscious of. I'm conscious that we have somebody really knowledgeable about comp here, uh, Jen Elliott. If somebody listening at home would like to, as a fellow comp executive, get in touch with you, how would he or she do that? By email. Uh, my email is J-E-L-L-I-O-T-T, that's two L's and two T's, um, at fool.com. Um, I love to talk to folks about compensation. It is a sticky topic, and it's one that at the corporate level, you know, there's a lot of, you know, reasons to not share or share data. But um, if any anyone is interested in just a general conversation or meeting up for coffee, if you're in the D.C. area, um, I love to talk to people. It's a, it's a topic where the more you talk to people, the more you learn, the more you grow. Um, and not a huge benefit from keeping a lot of secrets. So if someone's willing to talk to me, I'd love to share the practices we have at The Fool and learn what makes them do compensation great at their company. Jen, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, we don't ever want to overstay our welcome on this podcast, so I think it's time to shut it down. I want to thank Kara Chambers and Lee Burbage for their outstanding help this week. Thank you, Kara and Lee. Thanks for having us. Thank you. And let me ask you both, if I wanted to learn more about The Motley Fool Culture, or if I wanted to reach out to the team for an insight or a connection, how would I get to know you both better? 
Uh, well, the, the hub for all of this information is our site, culture.fool.com. Uh, you can find our, our blog and uh, a link to sign up for our tours. The first Friday of every month we do a tour. So you can, if you're in the D.C. area, you can sign up for that. So there's sign-ups on there. Uh, my personal Twitter is TMFCara. Uh, so that's usually where I post work things. TMFCara on Twitter. Yes. Okay, great. And uh, um, all kinds of social media out there. If you just look for Motley Fool Culture on Instagram, mm-hmm. Facebook, uh, we have a great fool here, Loy Street, who's constantly posting photos and stories and examples of things that we're doing. How about one insight from each of us reflecting on this time and what we're trying to say to the world? Who's feeling going first? Lee. So, um, Karen and I often get asked uh, the question of like, hey, I hear you're doing something cool or innovative or that sounds fun, but I'm not sure that'll work at my company or, wow, that sounds expensive. I think adding in some way for uh, the people that you work with to express themselves, something a little deeper in a way that's interesting that causes you to ask questions and learn a little bit more about them is something that everybody can do, whether you're a small company or a big company, and at little to no cost. So I would just say, hey, this is a fun one, guys. Get in the game. Now, Carrie, you know our core values as well as anybody. One of them is kind of top it. Are you able to better what Lee just did? Can you top what Lee just put out there? I don't think I can top. I can just build on it. And <laughs> this say, is my life most days. This is why I love Kara. <laughs> There's, it's really uh, it's something that preserves the individual. We always talk about, I mean, we're 300 people. Uh, and you, you hear about Dunbar's number of 150, that's uh, a community of people. And once you get bigger than that, it's hard to remember who the other people are. Ah, so wait, I, I don't know, Dunbar? Dunbar's number. So it's the like, magic number is 150. It's in probably the maximum number of people you can have in your community. And know around. their names. And know their so names. So once you hit 175, stuff starts breaking? Gets a little harder. A little Gets a little harder. Uh-huh. doesn't feel like community anymore. Uh, and so you have to be proactive and do things to create your community. And one of the things... And honestly, we work with these people for seven, ten years. I learned something new about every one of them today. Uh, so it's just a great con- – anything that's a great conversation starter uh, So it's just, uh, can help. I agree. And just thinking about The Motley Fool as we close, um, we started as two brothers just – who knew each other pretty well. Um, but once you start hiring a third person, a fourth and fifth person, you start to realize not only can you be more awesome by diversifying and adding to your enterprise, but it'll be even better than that if each of the people that you hire sees something of themselves, an opportunity to contribute in the culture and to add and grow the culture, not just looking for cultural fits, which is important, but also cultural contributions. And so it's been a pleasure now, 25 years later, since it is our 24th anniversary at The Motley Fool, to have added so much Motley and some of the few special people that we got to share with you today. There's a lot more behind that at this company. And I hope, and I know in your workplace, I hope that you're valued and I hope and I know that you benefit from hearing and learning from others. So that catchphrase, what's your Motley, which you could just drop on anybody here at The Motley Fool if you come visit. It's good elevator, quick chat if you need something like that. You can use that in your organization too. So if you want to steal Motley, is this fairly in Kara? Absolutely. If yes. you want to plagiarize make us proud. Motley as one of your organization's core values or take some of this, please feel free to do just that. All right, next week, I think we're going to dig back into the annals of fool interviews of yore. And I'm talking old school here. Pull out some of the fun moments from early Motley Fool radio shows. It's going to be an unusual and special edition of Rule Breaker Investing next week. Hope you'll tune in. In the meantime, fool on. As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about. And The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Learn more about Rule Breaker Investing at rbi.fool.com.